You are listening to Unified Through Chronic and Mental Illness with your hosts, Angie Roberts and Kimberly Murphy. Please be advised that some of the topics of this podcast can be triggering and sensitive in nature. Yeah, because anxiety, you're living in the future. Right. You know, you're living in the what could happen. And um, if you just try to focus on what's happening in front of you. Yeah, because it's never usually as bad as we think it's going to be. Hey guys, welcome back to Unified. This is Angie. And today we're talking about coping skills. GoodTherapy.com says coping mechanisms or coping skills are the strategies people often use in the face of stress or trauma to help manage painful or difficult moments. These skills can help people adjust to stressful events while maintaining emotions and well-being. We like to engage in strategies that will give quick relief, but this might create bigger problems down the road. It's important to establish coping skills that decrease emotional distress or rid you of emotional or stressful emotions. So, I mean, we're all familiar with the quick fixes, right? I mean, we get into these bad situations and we eat too much or, you know, we indulge in marijuana a little bit more or we drink too much (laughs) (laughs) or we or we like, hey, there's a lot of smokers out there. They're going to be like, yep, we do it anyway. But yep. Um, and drinking too, like people will drink a lot, like they'll go out or they'll bring yeah. alcohol and they'll drink a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of these little things that we do. It's usually like consuming. Have you noticed that? And I wonder if it it's is. because we feel lost and empty. So we just try to fill ourselves with stuff. Yeah. Hap- stuff that's going to make us happy. Like and it doesn't marijuana really... makes you happy or relaxed. Well, yeah. Or, you yeah. Know. That's true. And so or alcohol usually makes you happy now you know either one of those can have the opposite effect unfortunately right unfortunately alcohol is a depressant so the next day you are probably going to be depressed if you have depression right and you know the same with food like people who use food to uh regulate their emotions right it's there's a lot of guilt after they do that um right people who shop to feel happy they have financial issues after and they feel horrible about it right uh so like these quick fixes they they feel great like for a day or two but then after that you're left with the consequences of those choices um right exactly they're not really coping skills that's why it said it could create big, bigger problems down the road because, right? you know, using some alcohol to get rid of your problems so your problems don't go away. And so then you are using all the time, you become an alcoholic, um, right. you know, exactly. something And like I that. know this is a touchy subject, but some people, you know, turn to drugs. Right. Um, they turn to sex. Um, right. There are a lot of people who will try to find attention and fulfillment, you know, through having sex with with somebody. So, and that could become a problem down the road because now you're trying to seek validation in negative ways. So, right. And then you start with one and then Mm -hmm. maybe you go to two and then you go to three and and you just don't know what's going on. And And next thing you know, you have a relationship and maybe you're still doing that. And then now your relationship is breaking up or, I mean, all these things can like snowball, like a snowball going downhill. 
collecting more snow as it goes. Um, so we need to be careful of that stuff and mindful of it. And it can show up in so many ways. I mean, gambling. I mean, there's so many ways this can show up. Um, those quick endorphin, like, yay, I'm having so much fun. And then the drop afterwards. Right. It's not something you can maintain in the long term. You said gambling, but, you know, that's not just the casinos. A lot of people just think, oh, the casinos or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have a friend that picks his numbers every day. If he does not get his numbers, he has a temper tantrum. Like he oh, is wow. literally mad. Mm -hmm. So it is that kind of coping skill for him. I have a friend. You know what I mean? Yes. And mm -hmm. I have a friend. You're right. It's not always the casinos because I have a friend who used to go to the bar. She mm -hmm. would you she would drink after drink after drink. And there was like this little slot machine oh, mm -hmm. in the corner. And she would sit there and play it all night long. And then she would go get like those scratch offs mm -hmm. and she would spend tons of money on scratch offs because she was poor. So she's depressed because she's poor, but, but she's buying alcohol and she's right. spending tons of money on tickets thinking that it will solve her situation. And the alcohol probably led to the poor decision making of spending more money mm -hmm. as we know can yep. happen. But I mean, it also it's like a drug because you're like, maybe next time I'll win. Maybe next time I'll win. And she would mm -hmm. win and then she would lose it again. So yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be in the casinos. There's plenty of ways on the internet, especially. I mean, Oh, <laughs> definitely. They make it so you can easy. You can stay home and lose all your money now. Okay. So we all know the bad stuff. What are the types of coping skills we should be thinking about? Um, there are two types of those problem-based coping skills, you know, when you need to change your situation mm -hmm. or emotional based coping skills, when you need to take care of your feelings. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. So internal versus external. Right. Exactly. Okay. So thinking of that, what are the types of coping skills we can use? Deep breathing, meditation, and mindfulness. All three of those really go together, I think. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness is staying in the present and being mindful of what is going on around you in your present time, not thinking of um, past or future, just okay. being present in the moment. And it really does help. It helps me a lot to be just present in the moment because then I'm not so anxious it really does i was just gonna say that probably helps anxiety the most i would think yeah because anxiety you're living in the future right you know you're living in the what could happen and um if you just try to focus on what's happening in front of you yeah then, because it's never usually yeah. as bad as we think it's going to be not usually yeah and you know uh, i want to say this takes this skill takes practice I like to use the guided meditations on YouTube mm -hmm. a lot because there's just so many of them on there, but I also have Spotify and they have some and so whatever your, so they're um, really accessible. They are whatever your, you know, your music device is usually they have that on there, but yes. YouTube is good. I think YouTube is really good for it. Yeah. We found a few on YouTube for our past podcasts and they were actually really helpful and I hope other people found them helpful as well. Next, we need to learn our triggers. It's helpful to learn what triggers us mm -hmm. so that 
Um, I think watching TV, reading articles in a newspaper, or even like social media stuff. Um, we have to know what our triggers are and the things that have happened to us in the past, you know, kind of bring out our triggers. I was just so going to say, like, if somebody doesn't understand what a trigger actually is, what would you tell them? I think triggers is bringing up your past traumas. Um, like, I have PTSD from a guy beating me. So if I see a guy that looks like him or anything like that or sounds like him, I mm -hmm. automatically am triggered. I start to sweat and it's like the PTSD kind of takes over. It's fight, flight, or I was trying to think of fight, flight, or freeze. And I am a freeze. Like I kind of, at first I just stiffen up like, oh my God. And then I'm a flight, <laughs> but I have to, gotcha. at first I'm a freeze. You know what I mean? It just startles me so much. I, I just... Yeah. I can understand that because I, some of my triggers are yelling mm -hmm. um, or like aggressive confrontation where someone's trying to intimidate me and then I automatically go into fight mode. And it's right. because of the way my father used to be and I couldn't fight because I was so little and so I felt powerless. And so now when I feel like I'm in the same situation, I just automatically go into fight mode um, because I feel like I can now, I guess. I don't know. But so things like that trigger me, you know, um, intimidation, yelling, someone confronting me in a way that is really mean and aggressive will mm -hmm. set me off. Or if I see other people in that situation, it will set me off. And I can't watch things that are like a woman getting raped or it really like I get that feeling in my chest. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The tightening and like, I, I just feel sick. And the next we need to learn how to set boundaries and say no. First of all, no is a complete sentence. So right. no, and I don't have to explain myself. Why do we all feel like we have to explain ourselves, right? Like, why do we all do that? I don't know, but we do. We feel like yeah. we have to give a reason why we can't do something. Mm -hmm. No, I have to... Um, my son goes to bed at such and such time. No, I can't do that because whatever. And um, I think because of the pressure to give an excuse, like sometimes we reach for that excuse, you know, and when no right. could have just been enough. But I really think it's, you know, sometimes no is just being polite or no and giving an excuse, your excuse is being polite. I think, right. I yeah. think really, they're really talking about like when you set your boundaries, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to let you talk to me this way. You know, no, I'm right. not going to let you talk to me this way. And if they keep disrespecting you and then they start asking you for stuff, no, mm -hmm. no, you know, it's good to say no. Like if you're doing too much for one person and they're starting to take advantage of you, start saying no. This is hard for me because I'm still learning I am too. What my boundaries <laughs> even are. I'm still learning what my boundaries are. And then how to set them is foreign to me because, you know, I was kind of <sighs> raised yes. in a household where there wasn't any, like, there wasn't any. Right. So it's a, it's kind of a foreign concept, but I'm learning how to do it, which is so funny because I'm so much older and I'm still trying to learn how to set boundaries. I, I think it's hard for empaths, which we talked about in the past um, 
podcast. Mm. Um, it's hard for us to set boundaries, but so important. I think it's also hard for us to learn our triggers because sometimes our, uh, we feel other people's pain and that triggers us. And that's really hard right. to not do. <laughs> Maybe that's why. So, yeah, that's a, that could yeah. set up a lot of confusion. You're right. Yeah. Good that's a very good point. So next, get yourself into a good routine. This is important. I have a routine. Do you have a routine? Yeah. I mean, a routine is really important to me. And if I don't keep my routine after a few days, I can really feel it. And I know people around me mm -hmm. can can tell because I do kind of dip into a low mood. Um, my bipolar disorder, I am not shy about talking about. And um, I am medicated and I, but I have to say that medication is not enough. A, a solid routine is really important to bipolar people, whether you're one or two, you really need to set that healthy routine for yourself and stick with it. I agree with that. Um, I have depression and anxiety. And I think with the anxiety that um, setting a good routine is good for anxiety. It helps you to just focus on the next one thing. thing. Right. Right. Instead of it. And that's kind of being mindful, you know, write you a list and what you got to do and, you know, just start getting yourself into a good routine mm -hmm. every day. And it'll actually make you feel better. Yeah. Especially if you put some of those self care things into your daily routine. Definitely. Yeah. That's really important, and, I think. And I wanted to say that when I went through DBT, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, um, they told us to meditate daily for 20 to 30 minutes, just like you would exercise your body. You need that relaxation time for your brain. Wow. That's a long time. It is. Well, it's really not. What's no? 20 minutes out of our day? Saying, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think people, really. okay. So I think people think meditation is such this deep, heavy thing. Like they picture oh. like the gurus and stuff, right? Oh, right. I agree. And this is where I use guided meditation because I can't, oh, I can't do like silent meditation for 20, 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, that's a long Right. Time. But if it's guided and they're telling you what to do and they're, it's like, you don't even realize the 20 and 30 minutes goes by. Oh, okay. But you realize how relaxed you are afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I have and to I'll admit I haven't tried up, that, and I think I will. Yeah, I'll definitely put up some meditations on the um, website, on our Facebook website. You can also use music or journaling as a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. um, again, with journaling, I was not a big journaler. However, there are journaling prompts out there that make it so much easier for me. So they ask me a question. I can answer it. Right. It's really easy for me. <laughs> I actually love journaling for a long time because I am mm -hmm. a writer. Um, so I'm, it's easier for me to write than it is to talk it out. So my deepest thoughts mm. uh, come out on paper. So like that was very helpful for me. And I think it just depends on what kind of person you are. So, you know, like journal writing was very helpful for me because I'm a writer. I'm also a musician. So I was able to channel a lot of my thoughts and feelings into my music, and that was extremely helpful. But even people who are not musicians, they can like connect to music so well. So um, I can understand how music could help somebody get, 
get through some periods in their life. Next is support or community groups. Um, support groups are great. We actually met on a support group. I know we've mentioned this before. Um, right. For chronic and mental illness. So we've met a lot of great women who have uh, been in our lives for, uh, so what, 2015, Angie? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, know it's, since- I know it's helped all of us a great deal. And with community groups, you can go to places like the nursing homes and help people out there or, well, probably not right now because of COVID. Right. Okay. So community gardens will be soon opening up. I'm sure since they're outside, they'll be able to have small numbers of people. This makes a lot of sense to me because I've always said, if you um, are having an issue within yourself that is really hard to deal with, kind of living outside of yourself you know, getting outside of your own head and serving someone else can help you a lot. Yeah. So even if you just volunteer at the community garden and you don't have a garden, Mm -hmm. you can still pull weeds and do all that stuff. Or, you know, uh, picking up trash on the side of the road. A lot of those, I know that's not any fun, but it needs to be done. So if you help other people, it really helps yourself. And with the nursing home thing, you could always write cards and just send them to the nursing home and let them pass them out to people. So that's another way that you can do something to support your community that, you know, you're giving back. Right. So this is kind of like a giving back thing, the community groups, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who, especially people who are really depressed. Uh, When I was really depressed, I did volunteer and it did help. I mean, to just get outside my own head and get into somebody else's head and help them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Next, you could draw, doodle, uh, do the adult coloring books or do puzzles. Mm -hmm. Whatever kind of thing you like to do, whatever kind of puzzles you like to do. The Sudoku crossword, regular puzzles that you put together. Which is good because it makes those pathways, right? It makes new neural pathways. And so that helps you from getting like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's and stuff. It helps to exercise your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just relieves your stress, I think. Well, the adult coloring book thing was like huge and it still is. Um, but there was a time period when it came out and everybody was just like, buying all of the coloring books, (laughs) getting all the supplies. I have so much of that stuff and it really does help. It really, it really does. You can just focus on it. Another thing it's like a distraction technique. It takes you away from now, you know, instead of the mind, it's like the, yeah, it's like, well, it's like the other end of mindfulness because mindfulness you're right here right now and what mm-hmm. everybody's doing and distraction you're kind of st- taking a step back from what's going on previously at the moment and how you're feeling right you're trying to distract yourself from that so I always I like the coloring books uh for that too I do too yeah you can also read or listen to an audiobook or watch something funny or scary. Why scary? That seems odd. Well, f- well, funny and scary releases endorphins in your body that make you feel good. I don't know why scary movies do that. <laughs> <laughs> but they release these endorphins and it 
it changes your uh, your mood. Mm-hmm. You know, like it kind of distracts you too. I mean, I guess that makes sense because it does create such a strong reaction, which yeah. your body is then forced to like release those endorphins to help you out. So, right, it, yeah. you know, and if you watch something funny, not only does it get you just kind of smiling you're laughing and so then those endorphins are kicking in and they're letting go and your serotonin is getting better you know yeah they say if you just smile like if you just smile which is hard to do but if you just smile it will release those endorphins so that's good to know i did not know that yeah yeah um support animals or just regular pets Um, i love this one (laughs) i know you do so take it from here I have been volunteering for the Humane Society in my area for quite some time. Uh, I go there with my son and we have been basically trained to um, train cats to be more social, you know, the ones that are having a hard time so that they have a better chance of being adopted. But, you know, we got more out of it, I think, than we gave to them because just being with animals and just like petting them and when they purr and when they engage with you, they're very healing. I mean, there's tons of evidence. There's lots of research out there that shows that just, you know, like a cat purring will raise your endorphins. Um, Animals are a great way to kind of get a different kind of therapy. I mean, they are amazing and they're very empathetic and they know what's going on. They have like the sense that we don't give them credit for. Yeah. And all she talks about is a cat. So I'm just going to tell you, there (laughs) are other animals out there that can give you a great sense of I have two dogs. I do have two dogs. You would never know by the way she talks that she has two dogs (laughs) because she never talks about the dogs. Well, you know, it's hard when you're trained (laughs) to do all the time and you have five of them at one point so <laughs> they kind of rule the house i think everybody who has a cat understands i think um we're about to have a petting zoo in my house so <laughs> my son wants every farm animal to live in the house with us oh no. <laughs> even things that don't fit <laughs> even things that don't fit even dolphins and whales and where are we going to put those jacob i know i've been i've been asked to send a dolphin to michigan since i lived in so <laughs> that's going to work out real well <laughs> so cute and the last one is talking to someone you trust or a therapist and i think we want to put some emphasis on the therapist mm-hmm. because even someone you trust can be kind of biased towards you right you know, and wanting to help you instead of just listening back to the situation. And they have coping skills and different ways of talking to you to to get out what's really going on, you know, mm-hmm. and not always a friend can do that. But when you don't have a therapist, you need to talk to someone who right. is a trusted friend, someone that's not going to be judgmental, um, which is hard to find sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's just really helpful to just voice what's going on and having someone that will just listen like a friend is is really helpful. But a therapist can help you, you know, in the long haul, you know, they do the long game, (laughs) you know, so they're going to be like the whole picture and they have so many different tools to teach you. Right. And, you know, your therapist is trained in, um, Usually more than one kind of therapy, usually. Um, 
So they have a different, you know, can go back and forth on a different perspective if you're not under. Sometimes it's finding the coping skill that fits you. Don't think that all these coping skills that we just mentioned, not all of them may help you. Um, There's lots and lots more coping skills out there. These were just our top 10 that we thought of. All of this was really helpful information and You know, there's other coping skills, of course, that people can learn from a therapist or even look up on their own. I encourage people to do that uh, and try some of these. Hopefully it will help you. Um, Angie, what is the mantra for this week? Your healing is about you. It doesn't need a stamp of approval. Don't worry about how long it takes or how ugly it may seem. It's about you. That's so true. Yes, it's all we about all you. heal on a different timeline too. So, right. So, don't think that your healing is supposed to happen in a certain way. Yeah, in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. You're exactly. different than the next person, even. Absolutely. Um, and you know, we always talk about how we're stronger together, which we are, but we're also individuals, and so we can't compare our experience to you know the person sitting beside us. Rather, we just need to support each other in our journey. And I think that's what we mean by Stronger Together. And um, I think so, too. So we wish you good health and we hope to see you next time. Take care, guys. Mask up. Peace out. Unified through chronic and mental illness can be found at anchor.fm slash unified. There you can find all social media links as well as other ways to listen.